Welcome to the Electric Liberty Land pre-roll for episode number 193, where I want to tell you about NorthSpokaneCBD.com, where you can get all of your tinctures, all of your CBD needs for flowers, for uh, pills, for... I don't know, oil rubs. You can rub it on your head like George Costanza and Seinfeld and slather it over a Haitian maid's body. Long story short, you can get a discount by using Lions at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, NorthSpokaneCBD.com for the North Spokane Hemp Company. Check that out. And additionally, I want to remind you about writing us a five-star review. If you do that, we will take all these five-star reviews and questions that you ask within them. We will answer them on either a main show or do some special uh, side feed show to address them. And thank you for everybody that's written them so far. Okay. Thank you and goodbye. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, hey, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, guys. I am Brian McWilliams, and before I bring in my special guest today, uh, comedian, podcaster, and Twitter pedophile huntress Chrissy Mayer, I wanted to uh, give a quick shout out because we got a lot more listeners. We have a lot more uh, patron subscribers or Patreon subscribers. And I want to give a big thank you to Dave Smith for really promoting our show. As you guys probably know, or maybe you don't, we have been around for a very long time. We have three unique podcasts here. I am the Comedy, culture, and current events one in the middle, right smack dab here in the middle of your hump day Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, big thanks to Dave. However, I have to address a filthy rumor that Dave talked about on his last show, or maybe it's two shows ago now, saying that I might be Al-Qaeda. Now, whether that is true, I won't address, but I will respond with this very pertinent piece of information, which is thus. Dave Smith... FYI, masturbates with mittens made of Ron Paul's pubic hair. I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I applaud it. Whatever gets you off is fine. And I know you don't get a lot of time to do that kind of thing. You have a wife at home. You have a baby at home. We're all locked together in COVID. I have the same scenario here. I understand. And it probably feels nice, a little scratchy, but nice. My problem is he overpaid to get those mittens. I don't want to say what he paid. I don't want to bring more shame upon the Dave Smith household, but overpaid. And for a Jew, that is absolutely unforgivable. So shame on you, Dave. Pod war, it's on. No, uh, seriously, though, thank you to Dave Smith for bringing us uh, the attention for the debate between Dave and Andy Craig. I listened to it. I will not uh, spoil it for the rest of you, but I will say that I definitively came down on one side over the other one. And the side of which <laughs> I came down on was not that of Andy Craig. <laughs> I uh, I just swear to God, I mean, the cackling laughter four or five different times, just the uh, the amount of highfalutin uh, looking down the nose at miscategorization that happened in that debate was something to behold. And I went in really having no idea who Andy Craig was. So um, make sure to check that out and uh, and tune in. That was Monday's podcast with Dave Smith and Andy Craig. All right. Let's get into it. And uh, oh, and also, by the way, 
Thank you to all new Patreon subscribers. That's patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. I will have a little 10 minute bonus episode uh, that I'll put there with Chrissy at the end of this. And also, guys, just to remind you, Degenerate Gamblers, our uh, ridiculous storytelling, shit talking and gambling show that we do for our Pride members. We are starting up the league on Thursday. Too late to get in the fantasy league that we're doing, but you can get in a league wherein you get 500 bucks, Lions bucks to start. You pick games against the spread or over under, uh, and we will give you a free t-shirt if you can beat us. But again, this is only for our supporters. So Degenerate Gamble is one of our show, along with Conspiracy Corners, bonus interviews like you're going to hear with Chrissy, and all of the other good stuff that we do for our supporting listeners. We got a ton of them. We're hoping you stick around. I promise you, you will not be disappointed that's the exact same line I used on my wife. And look, she's still here. So there you go. Okay, without further ado, guys, let's get into it. All right, so as mentioned, I am here with Chrissy Mayer. And uh, Chrissy is host of Wet Spot over at Compound Media. Uh, Chrissy has her own podcast, the Chrissy Mayer Podcast. And also has been on, uh, I just heard you on Michael Malice moments ago. Well, not moments ago, maybe a couple oh, of days. Oh, wow. Yeah, that you're welcome show is really good. He he's a smart cookie. Yeah, it's uh it's very it's very uh different from the show he does on Compound Media, which is called Nightshade, and that's more of like a newsy, like almost like monologue joke, no, but not really jokes, sort of jokes. He sometimes jokes. He does. He sometimes he's, jokes if you if they yeah. can be called as such. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like I mean, you know, it's funny because I I got wind of you and i apologize that i had not really heard about you before but i got wind of you because somebody reached out after i guess listening to my show i don't know if he's a, a friend acquaintance lover or uh, or booking manager <laughs> or all of the above but you know reached out and said i, I think you'd be great to, to come on the show and the more i looked into what you were doing i was like oh yeah this is you know chrissy's really interesting and clearly a, a very independent point of view as they say so oh you know, really I, I think so. Well, I mean, I've even looked at the, some of the podcast guests that you've had on your show. And, you know, you got Doug Stanhope, who is, uh, I think, more libertarian comedian. And then you've got John Fugelsang, who is, uh, you know, uber left. So Uber, clearly, uber left. <laughs> but tell me a little yeah. bit about your, I mean, where are your politics at, if you can define them? You know, what are, um, where are you, yes. you situate in this entire conversation? People love to know where I'm at politically. I would say, like, in general, the middle. But if I had to, you know, like, I would say more libertarian. And it's interesting, like, in in twenty by 2020 definition, like, the fact that I uh, interviewed Roger Stone would make me a huge Trump lover, you know? So right, it almost, yeah, yeah. it takes nothing today for someone to consider you like far right, you know, and, and yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it's funny because the more far left someone is, the more far, far right they will think you will be, even if you're just a little bit right of center, even if you're just still like firmly in the middle, it, it, since they're way the fuck over there, it takes nothing for you to be like a fucking proud boy. So oh, for sure. Well, and, and yeah. I, I like the uh, Roger Stone. He's actually been on our show as well uh, a while ago now. Uh, not, we haven't had him on, I don't think, since he's been gotten out of, you know, <laughs> I guess he's still in trouble, but... Uh, yeah, he's, he's hot right now. <laughs> yeah, my God. But yeah, I mean, it, it is fascinating. Like, you talk to people, and you know, I, there's a girl, um, Bridget Fetisey, who I know from out here in Los Angeles. Oh, that's how you past. say her last name. Fetisey, yeah, know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <But> Fetisey. Yeah. <laughs> 
that she's the same experience though. You know, it's, it's that you think you're just kind of in a logical place and you get pushed away because people kind of condemn you. And I mean, that's kind of like every conversation you have now, whether or not you, and, and it's getting such a smaller and smaller window of what you can talk about and how you can couch your opinion. But it seems like if you vouch any sort of, uh, of okay for what Trump may have done in one point of view or another, or if you argue against something on the left, you think it's a little bit ridiculous. The immediate response, whether you're addressing anything to do with Trump or not is, oh, well, you must be a Trumper. You know? Yeah, and it sucks. And you could be an objective observer of the world and be like, oh, no, Trump has legitimately done good by these groups of people. He's yeah. These policies have been beneficial. Uh, the economy was doing great. People's 401ks were doing great. Uh, but if you point out the obvious, if, if even if it's something in his favor, oh, that you're a huge Trump lover. Oh, right. you, you're a MAGA person. It's like, no, I just am alive observing <laughs> the truths of reality. Right. And it's, and it's like something, it, you hit the nail on the head, I think. Our reality seems to have become absolutely twisted and warped to where objective reality is no longer a thing. And I think that was something that, you know, the postmodernists were, were believing in, you know, your truth is your truth and history is, is uh, irrelevant. But I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, how do we, how do you even go about talking to people in everyday society? And then also, I mean, I know, Nobody can do comedy really anymore uh, because they're well, maybe slowly. But you know, as yeah. a comedian, how do you work with that? Because objectively, you know, as comedians, and I've you know, I've done a bunch of comedy in the past as well. We're looking to reality as the basis, at least, for some of what we're trying to mock. And if nobody's reality is the same, how can we possibly joke about it? It is really difficult. Like I had a girlfriend just this week. Uh, I haven't talked to her in like five months and she texted me to be like, Hey, are you pro Trump? And I was like, I haven't talked <laughs> well, to you in four I haven't talked to you in four or five months. And like yeah. that's the first thing you say, which is like to me that is so suspect. It's like, what kind of a friend are you if you're not like, Hey, how are you? I know we haven't spoken the whole lockdown, but yeah. like what's going on and whatever it's like not, I'm not a perfect friend either but like I don't bust out of months of no contact with something like that because yeah. that's that's like and so I was like already skeptical and I was like what I was like okay doing good like where what's where is this coming from she was like oh you know just checking out your podcast and you know Roger Stone etc and I was like yeah that tells <laughs> me that you maybe saw my pinned tweet <laughs> You Maybe listen to you, one episode, yeah. the, the et cetera says all you need to know about the rest. She clearly <laughs> said nothing exactly, else. It's like the old side exactly, yada, yada, yada. It's like clearly didn't listen to anything else. exactly what a few of other people, like when I was talking about a few other around me said, like, yeah, et cetera means she did not, they, she has no <laughs> other examples to cite. It was just that. And it sucks because like you have to make that choice. You're like, okay, um... In every moment, right? With like, if you're not in a show, you're like, okay, you have to quickly evaluate, like, okay, how close of a friend is this? D do I want to now take on like the project of re educating this, this obviously brainwashed person? You know, uh, do I have the time for that? Do I want to spend the time doing that? Like, will they listen? Are they open? And then I kind of realized, no, like, it's not, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know her well enough to know that, like, it's that she could be red pilled even, you know? To just start with like, ah, oh, the media is a big fucking lie. And like, mm -hmm. you know, it's you, you there's years of shit to work through here. 
And I just sort of realized like, no, it's probably just easier for me in this moment to lie to this girl because I'm probably never going to see her. I Maybe I'll hang out with her sometime next year. Like we're not that tight. And like, I just was like, uh, you know, I had to just be like, and I just didn't like that question. I was like, well, what if I was? I'm like, I didn't vote for him. But like, yeah. I just didn't like that she was asking me that based off of one interview. I talked to a person, really like me talking to a person, me interviewing right. a person that you deem is problematic makes me pro-Trump. Like, I just hated everything about it. And so I was well, exactly. like. And you, you can use examples on either side, too, of people you say, oh, well, you shouldn't. You know, I hate the whole concept of don't give them a platform. Which is mm-hmm. just goes against everything, free speech, general logic and reason. You know, it's like it's been used for decades to justify our foreign policy of bombing the shit out of people. You know, well, don't talk to them. And they're like, look, just please just stop killing my children and I will leave you guys alone. But it's also kind of like brings back the thing. And I've, I've also had friends do that same thing to me where, you know, they basically unfollowed me, told me I'm an imbecile for some, some tweet. I, there was something, oh, just recently, a guy that I used to play poker with, he messaged me and uh, specifically saying, you know, are you, are you really this big of an idiot? And it was because Trump had said, allegedly, according to anonymous sources that nobody can find, that the, the World War II veterans in the cemetery were a bunch of losers. And that's something empirically wow. you read it and you go, right. why would anybody say that? Number one, let alone the president of the United States in front of people nonetheless. Let alone this president. Yeah, yeah, he would not. He's like... All the military, the military guys love him. The the police love him. Like no. it's those are his. That's his people. Um, so what I, what it, I wanted yeah. to ask you though is like, here's here's something I was thinking about while you're talking about like, oh, I just lied to this person. Is it's almost like you know we're being put through these purity tests where they're like, oh, you know, you should cut out your friends and your relatives from your life now if they're Trump supporters if they don't believe in what you believe in. I mean, really, I think we've already we, people. It's definitely gotten like ratcheted up a notch. But haven't we? It has always, been lied to our friends and our relatives about shit like nonstop. We lie to people for the benefit of relationships. It's kind of like how you get around as a person. You have to. And, and like, that's the thing is I wasn't looking to cut this girl out of my life. I just was like, all right, if we keep talking and our, and our conversations are more frequent and more like politics centered, like, sure. I'll like really tell her how I think, but to come out of nowhere with like a very judgy text like that, I was like, ugh, I don't like, like a real friend. I don't think would come at you like that. You know, I think a real friend would be like, Oh cool. Like let's talk about what you've been getting into. How are you doing? How was your COVID? Have you gained weight or lost weight during COVID? That kind of bullshit talk. You know, you don't just come out guns blazing with a, with a very weighted text. Exactly. You start with, so can you fit into your pants? Cause I can't fit into mine. Let's catch up. And, uh, it's, and same thing with my dad. Like he, like my mom died a couple of years ago. He just started dating this new lady. And like, we never really talked about politics. Me and my dad, he was always like rogue. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he's more like, I don't know where I would put him like anarchist. I don't know. He's like a cynic and he would always kind of vote for um, like Ron Paul or whatever. And I just, I I don't know how I was on the phone with him and like, I don't know how Trump came up and he was like, Oh yeah, I don't like how he speaks. And I'm like, that's it. That's all you got. You've been on this earth for 73 years and that's the best you can do on your thoughts on Trump. Like really, you haven't looked into it more than just like MSM sound bites. I was so disappointed. I was like, I don't mind disagreeing with this dude, but I was just like, wow, there's no thought at all. But then you also wonder how, if you're like, Oh, I don't really like the way Trump speaks. And then you hear Biden going up there, stumbling over his words, making no coherent sense. And you're like, well, so he's speaking better. 
empirically yeah. right now, if we're gonna if we're gonna compare apples to oranges, Biden's farting on camera, like it's come on, it's <laughs> like yeah, you great. can't compare them. <laughs> I feel like that's something that should cross over boundaries of like let's all we can all laugh at Biden farting on camera. Like we can I was all, at a barbecue yeah. for Labor Day, right? And I'm out with some buddies, and that one buddy's just like uber uber leftist, just like crazy left. I talked about it actually on the last podcast I did because I talked to his daughter who I'm trying to convince to vote for Joe Jorgensen. Trying to bone um, her. Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to, to uh to seed her libertarianism, but gently. But you're trying you know, to seed to her. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in a, she's underage. Maybe I shouldn't use that specific term, oh, especially with wait, you. Gotta... We'll get into the Twitter pedophile hunting soon enough. <laughs> you gotta wait a Don't put me years. on your list. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm talking to, to him and he pulls out the video. I don't know if you saw it of an Antifa guy tries to use a Molotov cocktail, drops it on the ground because he fucks it up, and then it catches his feet on fire. You never <gasps> seen this video? Was that the guy running around with his feet on Footless? fire? I had yeah. no idea what, what like what caused that, but I did see that. I just knew that it took him forever to get his feet to stop um, burning. Clearly yeah. he's gonna have penguin toes now for the rest of his really? life. Really? You think that I'm was sure, that's oh, I'm sure. I mean, you don't think he wore fireproof socks to that? Do that they make fireproof smart. socks? I don't know, but if any of these Antifa tards, like you should be going out head to toe, fireproof, bulletproof, at, everything. At least or else why leave your house? Yeah. yeah. Wrap them suckers up like baked potatoes. But, you know, some <laughs> clever person put foot footloose, uh, footloose to the video. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And That's even really funny. people on the left can get behind that. So, I mean... There's ways to break through for sure. But tell me a little yeah. bit about, so when you're, when you're doing comedy now, like let's say you go out, I was listening to, actually I was, I was just checking out the Fuglesang interview you did on your podcast because I was curious what he had to say on there. And you're talking about doing some, you know, doing some live shows now. And, you know, I tried to do a Zoom show for, which got canceled because HR got involved for some company. We're, you're uh, going out now. Are you staying away from any political material when you go out now? Or are you like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to say I'm going to say what's funny and just hope that the audience isn't going to be so, you know, embedded with their own biases that they're going to at least try to to take it as it is. In the shows that I've done, they have been they have been sort of like compound friends of compound media shows mm -hmm. like the fan. They have so many fans and like we're kind of like a tight knit group where like talent and fans like we'll all be in the same group chat, you know, so there I was really fortunate to have like quite a few outdoor shows like with fans, you know, this summer, like not as many as you normally would, but yeah. it's like given all this bullshit, uh, it's nice to have any, and they would be, you know, in backyards, people's houses and, and no, I did not have to censor myself there, which is like really amazing because like where you, this is a time where you don't know how a group, a given group of people is going to feel. And you do have to like, tread lightly and you know figure out like not only are you dealing with your own rustiness but you're like oh where does everybody lie on the mask right. issue yeah. like how many people realize this <laughs> was made in a lab and completely planned like but with the compound media fans it's like we're all starting from the same like level of awakeness and we're all we have that same foundation foundational understanding um of kind of like what what we're making funny of fun of and like what our tastes are and it was just great to be like hanging out with 30 people no one's wearing a mask like it's just yeah. as close to normal as as it could be and uh and it, th these shows have been great like a combination of like you know taking tweets that have done well over the months turning those into jokes um and like you know taking some of the old stuff too it's like there's definitely no going back to your old set after this yeah. i mean it just 
How it bold are you so taking the deaf. tweets? Because that's like, I mean, you know, Twitter's good for, it's definitely good for testing out material for comics, but then you also like, you know, you put some, like, especially now where people go and try to cancel you and dig up old shit you put out that's, you know, maybe wasn't the best or on PC or has little race connotations to it. I mean, how bold are you? Will you go out and tell a tweet that has zero likes on it? Are you, do you well, believe it's in like your you, ability and what's funny? You, <laughs> that yeah, that's the thing is like you, you wouldn't just like go out unless it was a really well written joke. You wouldn't just like go out and like, I wouldn't just say a tweet. I would be like, okay, if usually if it's, if it does, if it's a tweet that does well, it's like a real feeling. And like, I think I would take that and maybe insert it inside of a rant on a larger theme. So mm. it's like, if, if, even if it is a little bit of a risk, it doesn't have to stand on its own. You can kind of sandwich it be, you know, between things that work or in, in the theme of an idea of something that you're passionate about. So even if it like doesn't get off perfectly, then people still understand where you're coming from. And it's like, maybe it can be more like of a storytelling point or maybe it's just more of like, uh, like a rant, right? Like, you yeah. know, and then, or you could just like straight up try it. Like I've been so lucky with these audiences. Like they're, they're like forgiving and they know me too. Like they watch wet spot, they watch my podcast. Mm. So, um, there is a little bit of that, like, oh, they already kind of like you going into it, which is, is really amazing. You've like, already I, done the foreplay and they've come to fuck is what you're saying. They've come to fuck. Exactly. Yeah. I was, and I was supposed to do one park show for stand up New York. It was ringed out like a week or so ago. Um, I'm sure I'll get back. And, and do a couple of those that but that's tricky because like they don't have a microphone so you're like yelling to people at a park ross albrecht is serving two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years for creating a means for individuals to anonymously make online exchanges using bitcoin his actions did not create victims for nothing more than creating a marketplace the government locked him up and threw away the keys. Let's get Ross pardoned and get victimless crimes off of the books. Hashtag free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Yeah, that is the intro to hashtag free Ross. A song. A song. A song. Jamie a song. If you're in a man. Fucking drunk Brian in the subway trying to make a few dollars. Yes, that is a song by Tyler Colford, a.k.a. Crypto Man, a buddy of ours, and uh, he has put all of the proceeds that are going to be coming from this song, all of the sales, any of the downloads he gets, all of that money is going towards freeing Ross Ulbricht and fighting against victimless crime, especially compared to everything in the world. We've got Ross Ulbricht sitting in there providing a platform for people to trade goods voluntarily, nonviolently. Absolutely absurd. So Tyler's putting all the money into supporting him, trying to help those legal fees out, trying to raise awareness. Guys, you can even just play this to help the algorithm. Just play it on mute while you sleep on your computer. It all helps. So go follow Crypto Man. Give Tyler Colford a shout out. And remember, hashtag We spent 50000 a year for each in the clink. I said land of the free. Let's get goats and sheep. We spent so there's really not much that separates me from the crackheads at that point. But I'll, you know, I'll still <laughs> Sometimes the crackheads are actually getting bigger laughs than you. Yeah, they, yeah, that you know that they are the crackheads because they haven't gained weight over quarantine. By the way, talking about this, you know, coronavirus. I, I'm not to talk about comedy because I want to ask about, you know, where where are we uh, in comedy and race, and then talk about Blazing Saddles getting a fucking trigger warning in front of it uh, for HBO Max and shit like that. But you know, uh, the whole mass thing, like you know, everybody's out there. You've got homeless people, and LA. Like I, I'm in LA. You're in New York, right? I think you're in New York City. 
Um, yeah, Westchester. Okay, Westchester. So, you know, a nicer part of the city, a little, little suburb. <laughs> I'm in the suburbs, too, of L.A., but there's still homeless people everywhere. And, you know, one of the things when coronavirus came out, they're like, oh, well, there's going to be these, these this coronavirus is going to wipe these homeless people out, right? This highly deadly disease, if you got all these other things. Yeah, Bill Gates right. would have loved for that to have happened. Yeah, yeah. but yet they're thriving. The homeless population has not been decimated at all. It seems to be impervious. It's like uh, it's like shooting a zombie in the chest. It does nothing. They just keep coming at you. So, yeah. I mean, what are we supposed again? What are we supposed to believe with this entire scenario? If you've got the people that are supposed to be the most vulnerable and uh, and deathly ill among us, who, by the way, clearly have immune systems that are jacked oh, yeah. up from fucking themselves up all the time. Well, it seems like your immune systems that cured all this. Yeah, they're like, oh, really? Five Asians cough into my mouth for breakfast every day. I got this. <laughs> like, yeah, they're stronger than everybody, no. and that's why it's so bullshit. We had like. Cuomo and de Blasio moving homeless into luxury hotels on the Upper West Side because they right. wanted to socially distance them and couldn't do it in the homeless shelters, which is like insanely bullshit. It's like so obviously a plot to drive down the the like the market prices and the property value of the Upper West Side. It's like they're like literally trying to scare away anybody who has any money from the city. It's it's whack, and then they eventually you know, finally enough people complained and they're like, oh yeah, maybe we could put them in Staten Island. Yeah, maybe you could put them in Staten <laughs> Island. Yeah. Ship them off to so, those sons of bitches. Well, yeah, there's lots, circling lots back. So, okay, so staying on comedy for a bit. Um, what do you think right now? I mean, today, you know, I've made my, good, my, my fair share of, of race-related jokes in the past. I, I don't shy away from it too often, but where do you think, I mean, can you only make jokes now? If you're, if you're a comic, can you only in this day and age make jokes about white people? Or do you think that there is room for people to make any, any jokes about any other sort of race? I mean, at this point, would you make a joke about race to anybody? Have you heard other people try it? Because it seems as though this is something that the left may have successfully turned into a, a taboo that we might never claw back. Yeah, it's like if you're comparing it to like medicine, I guess, like making fun of white people is like first aid. Like anybody can do it. Yeah. You're not taking any risks. No one's going to die. But like, the it Boy takes Scouts somebody... are wrapping you in white for children. Yeah, yeah. You're like, ugh, <laughs> like, how much training do you have? Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay. But then it takes a truly skilled and like, and I believe nothing is off limits. You should, even today, a really good skilled comedian could could like pull anything off you know like if they're funny enough and their writing is good enough and they're like passionate or whatever like they you know nothing is off limits and you know people will let you know when a joke's not working for you but it's like it's almost like yeah making fun of white people super easy softball and then making fun of any other race it's like skilled surgery it's like well yeah. you better know what you're doing because the stakes are higher and um I don't know. Maybe this is a terrible metaphor. I just think like it's trendy and like accepting. That. It's it's always been very trendy and accepting the last 10 years to like anti-white male, uh, you know, like anti-men in general. Like somebody that looks like me should be complaining about men and the patriarchy and mm. um, like how much I hate my dad. I mean, like I don't look my dad's Okay. You got a little he, bit of that. He in. did okay. Sure. Yeah. Like I don't have the best relationship with my dad, but I'm not going to lead with that. I'm going to try <laughs> to like be, you know, have more range as a person. So it's just like, it's just like hitting all those like classic typical notes. And it's, I don't know. I feel like people are getting a little bit tired of it. I feel like, you know, like, yeah, sure. You can still make fun of white people, but like, 
I don't know. I, I think it has to be a little bit better. It's, it's going to take a little bit more than usual. I think a lot of people are really tired of it. I think a lot of people yeah. in the middle are just like really over it at this point. It's like, it feels like a war on white people. And it's like, yeah, and I a mean, lot of like white people are like, I didn't fucking do anything to you guys. Like we're not <laughs> privileged, you know, like my dad was a fucking landscaper. We didn't have health insurance for a long time. Like I shared a room with my sister, wore her clothes my whole life. Like I don't, none of that feels privileged to me, but whatever. Yeah. Well, it's like one of those things where, you know, it, the entire I mean, nuance has been eliminated. So the nuance of between, yes, there's some people that are white and they're ultra rich, and there's definitely some people that are white and they're privileged and they've received some sort of benefit. But at the same time, like you're saying, there are millions upon millions. You know, white people are still the majority for now and had been for quite some time. But between those those massive amounts of people, there's so much poverty. There's so much meth addiction. There's so much death. There's so much everything. You know, it, it just all the people that that build all these buildings you see now are you know predominantly white workers that died falling off the Empire State Building. You know, every worker fell off the Empire State Building, died white. So yeah, there's a lot of both that nobody wants to acknowledge that at the end of the day, it's been it has been several generations. And while there's some benefit that you could argue has been accrued by certain parts of the population. The rest of us are just trying to get along the best damn way we can, abhor racism, and the average person on the street that's white is probably, odds are, some of the least likely race, you know, when it comes to racist thoughts, the least likely person to have outrageous race-related thoughts of almost anybody you'll meet worldwide, the American Mm -hmm. one. I mean, we've been preached this language. I grew up completely you know, colorblind, anti-racist. Yeah. And now we're being Just, taught that yeah. we have to be colorblind again. It's our like, grandparents were racist, words. right? Our grandparents what? were racist. Our parents, like, a little bit, a little less so. Little Generation bit. Xers, not at all. Anybody who grew yeah. up during the 90s, not racist. Like, it's, I feel like it's very rare unless it's, like, your parents, like, drilled that into you growing up. Like, we all, nobody gave a shit about that. And, like, millennial, like, I'm technically a millennial. I don't really, like, I don't know. Yeah, feel like I'm, I identify I'm also tail, tail end millennial, I think. But same thing, not, race is not really a thing. And then now you have like these younger couple of generations where like they're obsessed with race and every, it's like, it's like, it's like back, going back into racism through like the back door. It's like your, the end result is still racism again, but now it's like you're doing it from this weird moral high ground. And, right. um, and, and just, from that moral high result. ground, you're basically eliminating the chance, like, you know, satire has been eliminated. Apu from The Simpsons is now, you know, ostracized, even though the entire point of the character was to show a stereotype and then humanize it and put it yeah. in funny situations where- Who needs the, the quickie mark? Yeah. I do, yeah. We both <laughs> need the quickie mark. And then, you know, going into Blazing Saddles, you've got a movie that was groundbreaking in every way. One of the greatest comedies ever created by Mel Brooks uh, has stood the test of time. and People would watch it together. I remember watching it with my dad when I was little. You see how dumb the attitudes of racism are and how well this guy handled it. And it just, it works so perfectly. And then you've got HBO tacking on this intro that says, here's why these white people are bad and racist. And here's why this guy's good. And here's the context. I mean, I, I can see you not shake your head a little bit already. So I'll let you talk about it. But I mean, is there any benefit to this or is it just destroying the satire? I mean, Could you imagine a comedy set where they explained all the details of the comedy set before you went into it to make sure you weren't going to get too offended by the comedy set? Yeah, isn't effective? Like, I think that's just taking away like the. It's just to assume that your audience is not intelligent enough that this was made at a point in time with a certain set of values, beliefs, opinions, like. 
it's it's icky it's like an icky cor- a corporate glaze has has to like be on top of everything to make everything okay and it's like we don't have to make everything okay like many generations before us lived their whole lives without trying to make everything okay and it's like yeah that's how you like grow character and have a backbone and can handle rejection and um have some kind of a work ethic so yeah, I, I mean, know. they definitely seem to have modern day entertainment definitely has taken the approach, at least when it comes to to satire and comedy. I feel like they have very much decided that we are too stupid to appreciate finer points and nuance in comedy and that it has to be very blatant or there are topics that are completely taboo and cannot be touched, at least when it comes to the broader corporate mainstream. Or they're, or they're just so afraid of being canceled that they have to yeah. do disclaimer on top of disclaimer to the point where like it kind of like ruins it a little bit. You're like, ugh. So it's like this is the cost of, of your fear of being canceled and being, yeah. you know, like having to whatever pay out for hurt feelings. I don't know what the end result would be, but and so, it's I mean, so, so annoying. It's just, it seems like it's counter. I mean, like I said, it's counterproductive. I mean, I'll give examples of, you know, the, the Uber... I keep saying Uber. I got to stop saying Uber in this fucking podcast. And like, oh, Chrissy, how's your podcast? Talk to a Nazi. Um, Are you sponsored by Uber? <laughs> no, I am sponsored by the Third Reich. So hmm. you wouldn't think they still sponsor podcasts. No. Um, <laughs> let's just say the overarching wokeness, though, you see in a lot of these content you know, platforms coming out and how they change and alter. You know, it's like we're talking about in general. The middle is getting sick of hearing this preaching wokeness all the time and being hit over the head of it. And I mean, I remember one example in Game of Thrones. Don't know if you're a big Game of Thrones fan or not. I've never watched it. Never? Oh, nope. wow. Well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but I'll just, in a nutshell, say Go that. ahead, spoil it. I've had enough time to watch it. <laughs> That's true. I mean, shame on you. Uh, but maybe shame on me for watching so much of it. So at one point, there's this, you know, dragon queen. I'm sure you've heard of her. She's riding dragons around. She's a very powerful figure. She and this other powerful figure, who are like two of the remaining thronuses that are in the in the game, their simple being there should say enough about the fact that they're strong, they're characters that are motivated, they're intelligent, they're alive. You know, everybody else is dead. You know, they're alive. Great. And then they, they made just it. One, yeah. Yeah, they, they made it. Looks like you made it. <laughs> so they're still there. And yet they had this one scene after they got off of the books, because at one point it diverged from the books that they were based on, and, and Hollywood producers took over and writers took over. And they had this sit-down confab between these women where they literally, I think verbatim, said, well, it's good we're all such strong, intelligent women. And Ew. Go, Why? What? You're, you're just making me hate them now. It, like, <laughs> pops the bubble. It's like we exactly. were in a nice bubble of this show, and you had to fucking pop it. It's like, just like in... Story. Just like in fucking Avengers when they had like the gratuitous like female empowerment scene, you know, and it's like um, Captain Marvel literally needs nobody else. She had just like fucking flown her whole body through a ship. And then we (laughs) have like, don't worry, we're behind her. And it's fucking the the bug lady. And it's like, we don't need you. We don't need any of she doesn't need any of you. Are you fucking kidding me? It was the same feeling of like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we having this like Nike swoosh moment of uh, it just was like unnecessary like masturbatory gratuity. I don't know. Exactly. It just seemed like it was too much. 
Yeah. And it's just, and the need to do that is so puzzling because again, it's like you're already, everybody in the industry is already woke. You know, most of the people out there are already, already woke. We've been preaching this all the time. Why? Why do you feel that? they want points. They want the points for being like, look, we made this yeah. scene happen with the female empowerment because they know that that scene is going to get them written up in glamour, Cosmo, oh, yeah. tons of fucking press releases. And everybody gets a big pat on the back for being pro woman when it's like, yeah, you were already pro woman. You didn't have to fucking like tell everybody how great you were. Like you could just let people see how great you are. That yeah. bothers me so much. It's it's unbelievably aggravating. Now, have, have you had any issues with like feminists, third wave feminists coming after you or, any, or anything for jokes you've made or any of this, any of the things you, if you take in this point of view or they've been like, you're, how dare you? You're hurting the women's movement by saying these um, things. It, I did have an interesting, like I, um, it's weird because I was a feminist like in college, like fully going around like with the feminist shirt like it was my whole thing it was my group it's what banging i banging all those weak with. dudes that pretend uh, to be feminist i was they're, not they're banging any ones. dudes i had braces <laughs> in college i was being i'm just very much uh learning about myself um <laughs> no, no i wasn't i was not even masturbating either um oh, wow just a lot what a college I was a, experience you had i was diving i spent a lot of time in the pool and uh i was very good sitting at sitting on the jets pretending that you were no there, no obviously. jets um i was definitely not i was definitely not not having sex but don't worry i made up for it um i I, so actually, what, I told her her dad would be listening to this podcast so she's oh no he doesn't even know how to turn on his phone um <laughs> so i for for six years i hosted an lgbt comedy show at the stonewall inn which is a national landmark um bar well it was a hotel but now it's like a bar in new york city it was the the start you know the moment where the stonewall riots started in 1969 whatever like a lot of historical importance blah 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 i hosted a comedy show there for six years it was the longest running monthly lgbt stand-up comedy show i was actively scouting you know really good fresh lgbt talent also getting in a lot of killers like i would get them to come in from the store like spent a lot of time gave a lot of shit about a quality good show and uh, like inclusive without having to constantly pat myself on the back for it you yeah. know and then um and then i've so i've had this tweet about it was like a a parrot that was barking, was, you know, like this dumb internet shit, you know, there's like animals doing stuff. And I like posted that uh, and tweeted like, oh, it looks like this bird's trying to transition or something like that because the bird was barking. <laughs> and then job. like some, some like stupid girl or like, well now she's probably a, I think she was transitioning or whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is she was like, oh, Chrissy's a whack ally. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, this is a joke. Number one, these are animals. It's, I'm obviously kidding. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. You're somebody who like wanted to get booked and you just weren't funny or good. So I didn't book uh, you. So, so it's like, it out. so yeah. you're making it about this. My, I'm not woke enough. Instead of it's not about you're not being funny enough to get booked on this show. And even if I, whatever, start your own fucking show, man. Like don't tear somebody else down. Yeah. Well, that I mean, I've seen a lot me. of that. And I didn't, I didn't really plan on getting into the whole trans issue at all in this podcast, but you know, we're just talking here, so we'll see where it goes. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it does seem like, and I've, I've read this in a lot of uh, publications, I've heard it on a lot of podcasts and seen it on Twitter, but it does seem like with the focus on trans, there, that a lot of traditional gay and lesbians are being very much pushed out of that tent. I mean, it's like, and yeah, it's yeah, where, yeah. It's like almost like a, a, a visceral attack nonstop on it's super offensive. They don't want to be lesbian culture. Yeah. yeah. 
they don't want to be called queer. They don't want to have like the queer title, like impressed on them. Like, it's like, like I have friends that are like, no, I'm a lesbian. That's I'm 40, 50 years old. Why would I change now to like appease this, this mob? Um, Well, I've heard a lot of lesbians too, have been like trans people that have transitioned that are trans and you try to hit them. They're like, well, I'm not, I'm not necessarily into that. And they're like, oh, well then you're a bigot and you know, horrible. And how dare you? And they're like, well, this, this is a little, understandably odd i've not dealt with this before but i'm you know still overarchingly in support of the cause oh yeah you can't be into what you're into anymore you have to be into everybody or else you're there's something wrong with you and yeah you're a terrible person for having preferences Yeah, yeah that blows my mind too when it's like a lot of that anger i think comes from people who Perhaps their transition didn't go as well as they thought. Perhaps they're not passing in the ways that they would like. So they're angry. They're not attracting the type of mate they would like to mm-hmm. attract. And it's like anybody who is like angry with themselves is gonna is going to impress that anger on the world around them. Like people who feel chaos inside, like create yeah. and maintain chaos around them because that's they're not examining themselves. And well, you know, it's a super controversial kind of. It was a book by a, a doctor. I remember. I can't remember her name at the moment. A female doctor, but she's examining basically how a lot, especially like um, younger girls, are transitioning or saying that they are, you know, gender dysphoric at a very, you know, shocking rate. Something that is, is statistically impossible, basically in in nature, and it almost kind of makes you think, okay, well, if that's the case, if a lot of these people are kind of being peer pressured into it, maybe they're just unhappy with the situation. They're unhappy with how it's going. And they, they are lashing out because they are maybe lesbian. And instead of being able to comfortably ease into that, they are now being forced into this transition world that they are not really needing to be in or supposed to be in, but yet they feel trapped inside this box that's been built around by society and that is super, super dangerous. There's a lot of people who feel like that, the, the reason for that statistic that you mentioned, that, that it is more than right. It's, it's nature. In, in nature, it's like people haven't changed. I mean, other than our diets, they haven't changed that much in the last hundred years or so. Like, so it's like you have to, there's, there's a lot of people who have evidence to support that the increase for this is, is because of schools and because it's pushed mm-hmm. by academia. Some that, you know, I did it in, um, episode with buck angel on my podcast and like he very much spelled out like he he's like cited all these sources books videos and stuff about like yeah how why academia can kind of be pointed towards this and like it's almost like there's a push to transition then like they because then right those parents those teachers are seen as so woke and accepting but it's like meanwhile you're kind of pushing these kids towards transitioning when really it's like they should be in a lot of therapy and buck is somebody who medically transitioned from female to male, like never got a penis made, but like he will admit, he's like, I straight up have gender dysphoria. And a lot of people in the community give me shit for acknowledging that I have a mental illness. And it's like, no, I have it. I had to make all these changes so that I could be happy and live my life. But he's like, that's what the, the, this, I don't know, new modern woke trans community now is not acknowledging that they won't acknowledge biology. They won't acknowledge like, right. And they won't have the conversation. And that's the, that's the thing is man's the, I mean, Talking about not only, you know, trans and gender dysphoria issues, talking about anything having to do with almost it's coming to the point where, you know, the left pretends it's uh, okay, we're the party of science. But then you say, well, let's talk about this because there's clearly differentiating uh, findings here and there's real evidence to talk about it. No one's saying 
trans people are wrong. No one's saying to not be trans. Mm, Let's have a conversation about it for the benefit of everybody involved here. And I mean, and it transitions into the masks issue, you know, and what's going on with COVID and everything else where you go, okay, we were told one thing, it changes so rapidly, but yet we're not allowed to, to question the orthodoxy. We're not allowed to question the findings. We have to just go along, give up, you know, our rights to free speech, our rights to dialogue. Mm-hmm. We have to hate each other yeah. because we can't apparently talk about these things, which are, which are right out there to talk about. They're findings yeah, that are very public. Yeah, you can't question anything. And like the new punk rock people now are black conservatives because to me, that's like yeah, the I most know. brave position to be yeah, in was it ben in 2020. Smith, I think, uh, is that the name of it? He's like an outward gay conservative black man. Yeah, that's that's like the the most. I mean, that's people have said that that's like being a conservative now is like being gay in the 50s. You're just like, you know, no one wants to be outed. And it's like, yeah. oh, um, yeah, it's really, it's crazy. Like a lot of liberals will say, oh, the science, the science. It's like just because we have the science doesn't mean we should push kids that are going mm-hmm. through something. We shouldn't be pushing them to transition. Like that's life-changing hormone therapy, yeah, life-changing surgeries. Yeah. Yikes. And a lot of them are going back. A lot of them, especially like in being in the lockdown, have de-transitioned and, because it's like, like they're out of their routine. Maybe they're with family more. Maybe they're working mm-hmm. on their shit, you know? Um I mean, there's a very good yeah. point to be made there is, yeah, if you're you're not in that peer peer po- uh, peer pressure bubble anymore, you're not right, in you're... that strict orthodoxy of this is the way that things are and you must uh, adhere to it. Otherwise, you'll be ostracized. Yeah, it makes sense. And of course, that's going to look attractive to you. If you're like not getting the attention you need, you're not getting the validation you need and you feel lost and you don't feel comfortable in your body as every kid does at some point in their life. And you say, oh, well, if I if I go trans, like then I get accepted, validated. I go from being feeling weird to now I'm like not just neutral, but I'm special. I'm better than everybody. Oh, how totally how are you not going to go for that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, there's a, there's a book I started reading uh, about halfway through, which is on the abuse of moral talk. And how people are, you know, we've seen it happen over the past 10, 15 years, especially with the rise of social media. But yeah, people using the moral talk to get the advantage or to feel that moral superiority or to get the adoration from everybody else. And consequences be damned, you know, reality be damned. They're going to go and do it because that feeling of elevation over one's peers or the general populace is so addictive. That they just can't it's stop. so addictive and to take that's why cancel culture is was like it's such a high it's a drug it's like oh i'm taking somebody down i'm t- i'm getting them fired they can't you know if it's a creative person it's like oh they're not gonna you know create or express ever again all because of me it's like it's yeah. so much easier to tear something down than than it is to build something up and it's like the people who just spend all their time online and trolling and nasty comments or, or like submitting people you know and trying to get people those are like the lowest form of humans it's like it's i feel sad for them because it's like they're not living their lives like they're just they haven't found their thing well, you know who's lower is it is it the scumbags that waste their time going through and pulling up these uh, largely out of context things or are they the worst people or the real worst people, the spineless weasels that are firing people for a tweet uh, from 15 years ago? Or, yeah. a, you know, like a Washington poster I talked about where a woman went to a Halloween party two years ago dressed as Megyn Kelly in blackface, making fun of Megyn Kelly, right? She went mm-hmm. to be woke, making fun of Megyn Kelly because Megyn Kelly's talking about blackface. Two years later, the Washington it's very Post creative. It, it really yeah. is. I mean, you know, it's, I give her credit. But that woman yeah. got fired because two woke assholes from the party 
went and ratted her out to the Washington Post. And the Washington Post thought that it was a great idea to write this story up. She's now fired. I mean, the, because the Washington just, Post wants to look woke. They want yeah. to like that they're on the right side of the issue. And that's the same thing with these companies who fire people who also aren't on the right side of the issue. It's like everyone is... The, the people in higher positions of management or whatever, like they're so spineless, like they're oh, so yeah. afraid of looking bad or losing their job. It's Trader like, Joe's. Good job, Trader Joe's. Good right? job, Trader that? Joe's. Standing no, up. I mean, saying, no, we're going to keep calling our shit Trader Jose's and whatever. And fuck you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. They're better than the uh, football team for sure. Oh, God. Yeah. The Washington football team. I mean, the I will, that's football what, team. <laughs> I will say, I do think Redskin is definitely a racist uh, term, but I don't know. You know, whatever, man. It's been around for so long at this point. Um, okay, yeah. getting into a couple more things. So we're, we're about 40 minutes in. And then if you don't mind, if you don't mind doing an extra 10 minutes, a little bonus content interview. Ooh, for bonus. little bonus content. We'll put that for the, the behind the wall, guys. But um, we got to talk about, you know, we're talking about kids. We're talking about what's happening with kids. I had no idea. And I'm like looking through your Twitter feed. I'm like, where, the, where is she hunting down these freaking pedophiles? So you are apparently <laughs> pedophile huntress on Twitter. Yeah. And I, I heard up a new hobby. Malice about this. Michael Malice, who very uh, complimentarily said he has no time to come on this podcast. So thank you, Michael. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, tell me a little bit about. You seem upset entire- about that. <laughs> Uh, it just, it annoyed me. You big time in me malice, you dick. Um, hap- no, so, so tell me a little bit about this whole, <laughs> this whole scenario, how you became, uh, you know, pedophile, a pedophile hunter. hunter. Yeah. And cause I thought it was fascinating and I do want to talk about a little bit about the Wayfair thing, which I think is fascinating. A hundred percent. There were kids being sold through that. There's too much coincidence. There's too much point to that happening than it not happening. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I think people are like willing. Well, it's a coincidence because it's like, what's easier for you to keep saying that things are coincidences or to have your fucking whole mind blown and to have a to have a very uncomfortable paradigm shift and like rethink everything you know about media and Hollywood and society and none of this is new and it's going on for hundreds of years. So there's this website called social blade that you can use to look people up, see trends in their social media followings. You know, I would use it to like, see like what popular comedians may have purchased Twitter followers and other reasons, you know, I check my own shit or whatever. And, um, (laughs) people had been mentioning like Chrissy Teigen has all these questionable tweets. Like she was talking about how much she loved toddlers and tiaras years back, like between like the early years. I also love toddlers and tiaras. I have to admit. I have to okay, then. Not well, for you're pedophile on, reasons. I like it the for the gross old people Doesn't that put them out there. Too on the list. <laughs> um, so these were like <laughs> the tweets between like 09, 2013, whatever. And I just was like, huh, that's weird. She's tweeting a lot about like pizza, which is, you know, there's like a whole yeah, pedophile code. The words correlate to foods, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I just was like, I, on a whim, kind of looked up. Uh, or my boyfriend looked up Chrissy Teigen and we saw like a big red number in the media section and the media comments at negative almost 30,000. And I was like, huh, that's a lot of tweets to delete. Yeah. Like I don't, I've never even, not even close, like just a, maybe a dozen tweets I've deleted ever. So I was like, huh, this the is time a lot. alone to take and go through like indicates oh, it's, that yeah, it's you some need sort a team. of mass purging, you know, keyword search purge had to have happened. 
For sure. And so I tweeted at Chrissy Teigen, like, uh, hey, a lot of celebrities have been really busy since Ghislaine Maxwell was arrested. Like, Chrissy Teigen, why did you delete 30,000 tweets? And and she wrote me back, which never should have happened. I was like a 15K, not verified, nothing person. Like, what is she even doing looking at her unverified, right? She should, shouldn't she be better yeah. than that? Like, shouldn't she should be like in verified land with yeah, a fucking team. hot towel? I don't know what verified Twitter is like. I imagine there's shoulder massages and fucking hand jobs. I, I don't know. People personally come in from Twitter and notify you when there's something you should respond yeah, to. Like yeah, yeah. There's like a butler at the like, door. There's yeah. one. Your, tw- yeah, your it's Twitter like, butler It's like in. Jeeves knocks on the door yeah. and be like, excuse me, a tweet <laughs> f- uh, from the president, you know? <laughs> Um, that's how I imagine it is. So she responds to me for some reason saying like, actually it was 60,000 and I did it because of people like you, you think you're a detective because you see that I tweeted about toddlers and tiaras, you know, whatever, seven years ago. Oh, and I'm afraid for my family. And then she blocked a million people and then, and then she got all her PR. She blocked a million people, which I was part of. I may have started the hashtag. Chrissy Teigen blocked me. What's the search category to block all these million people? Like how did well, they Well, define- it was uh so that's what it was. She was she she said to Twitter like um so she blamed it all on QAnon, right? Which is a group of people, they're non-violent people. They just are curious and want the truth. They're a lot of people yeah. call them conspiracy theorists, but honestly they're more oh. just like free thinkers, free spirits. They gotta, are not I got to just- tell you this real quick cuz it's too funny. So you remember you talked to your friend reached out and were like, "Hey, Wait, what do you think about Trump? My sister did the same fucking thing to me with QAnon. Mm. Reached out, she goes, you support QAnon? And I was like, I don't, I'm not sure what it is. I literally had to Google it. And I'm like, yes. Eat it. You know, go, Out of go nowhere. Yeah. Ugh, that's annoying. That's the thing. When it's family, it's like, I, I would almost be like honest and like, yeah, what? You know, because yeah. what am I going to do? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Uh, so, so QAnon, yeah. I mean, the whole, and the Trump thing of he's the, you know, trying to get the pedophiles out type of thing, you know, my wife actually supports Trump. Well, maybe, maybe might support Trump because she read about adrenochrome ruined her life for a month and gave her nightmares. We have a little girl, we have a little seven month old baby. It's fucking scary. And it's easier to pretend that these things don't exist. And that, you know, that's I, for, for like my whole life, I was like, what satanic cults? Like, that's not a thing that's happened in this century. And you're like, no, it very much is a thing. And you, you know, that's what it was too. Like in March, like I did Sam Tripoli's podcast and he was telling me about Tom Hanks. And I was like starting to just like slowly put it together. I watched out of shadows. I watched fall the cabal, which is like a 10 part series. It was on YouTube at the time. Now it's probably on BitChute. Uh, and just like I was just slowly putting it all together a couple of sleepless nights later, just you're like, oh, shit. And then you can't go back. And you're like, OK, well, now yeah. I know the deal. Like you're operating and from Joe a better place. Volcano, he went to an entire island, right? Joe vs. Volcano. Great movie. No children on the entire island. That doesn't sound like fun. you got to have children on your island. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, God. So, yeah. And of course, everyone, everyone knows about Epstein. That's like not taboo anymore. That's a, that's a real thing. Um, so she responded to say that it was twice the amount of tweets that I had said. And, and, uh, sure enough, social blade the next day reflected the total amount because they, they do cut off at some point during the day. And, um, she made it all about like QAnon being like annoying researchers and like we're not no one gives a fuck about her family no one we just want answers and no one even cares a fuck about her no one's gonna do anything to you physically we just like want answers for these creepy tweets and uh 
I sent the thing. And meanwhile, like after I sent the tweet, it was just like, got so much attention. There was like so many people behind me, like ready with Mm -hmm. proof. And I, which I didn't know or expect either. And I was like, Oh wow. These people have been onto her for years. Like they had a lot of saved tweets of hers and, she had, you know, she had been on the flight log. Her and Legend were on the Epstein flight logs. So just uh, a lot I of it was. I realized com- that they were actually on the flights to Epstein Island. A lot of it was coming together to all that stuff. And then you're like, oh, Oprah and Harvey Weinstein, super fucking tight. You know, Ellen, it's, mm-hmm. there's so much. It's such a, it's such a web. And um, so, so meantime, so after she blocks a million people, she gets out, releases a lot of press releases. Oh, Christy Teigen's afraid for her family. She's afraid of QAnon. Oh, this is far right. Like she's creating this narrative, right? And she's creating an enemy so that she gets to be the victim. And then Twitter, like the next day, she was like, Twitter, you're going to do something about this actually scary harassment or else I might leave. It's like, oh, God, we could never survive <laughs> Chrissy Teigen leaving Twitter, the self-proclaimed mayor of Twitter. How will we ever survive? Meanwhile, she's like cancel queen. She loves nothing more than coming after people and companies with which she disagrees. So sorry that this is now. No one's even trying to cancel her. We just want to know like wh- right. what the hell's going on. She yeah. never really addressed anything. The whole thing about, oh, you're harassing my family. How no are threats coming at you? Do they know where you live? Don't you have security? Like, it's just ridiculous. Right. It's, it's like you're rich it's enough to have sympathy. Private security, you're fine. And so the next day, Twitter comes out and like takes a stand against QAnon people. He, the, he, <laughs> Twitter, Twitter's a he. Um, Twitter <laughs> blocks, Twitter, I feel like is a she. Twitter blocks or suspends or removes like thousands of QAnon accounts, like a couple big notable ones, one of which mm-hmm. was Tommy G with like 250,000 followers. And uh, he's kind of a, you know, a bombastic dude, you know, he, he definitely likes to push the envelope and, you know, and then, and then at this time, then Parler is coming up and a lot of people are moving over there. Parler is like Twitter, but with actual free speech. Um, I but like, Parler, I, I just haven't been able to get into it. It's a little like bit time. more difficult to use. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I love the idea. I love the energy behind it, but yeah, there is something a little bit like eh, slightly more user-friendly about Twitter. So anyway, like Twitter is bending over backwards, doing anything for Chrissy Teigen, blocking, suspending people, you know, censoring people basically on her behalf. So she, and then, you know, she, her profile was going between private and public. And of mm. course, each time that happened, that got its own press release. Like everyone's, you know, she takes a shit. It's an article. So, and then, um, so there's basically that, like, and Twitter will do anything for her and celebrities, but they won't, they don't react very quickly to actual child porn being on Twitter which yeah. I found because people sent it to me and I was just like, Oh, Holy shit. You know, like are people like, are sending are me like accounts images or are these like, Yikes. it's like really, it? it's really disturbing. Cause I always thought like, like I'm 36 and never saw any child porn in my life. I always thought you had to go to like the deep dark web for that. Yeah. And then some, someone was just sending me like, Hey, this account it's legit on here. And so I clicked on it. And I was like, whoa i can't believe this is right here on twitter in my pocket this is fucking disgusting so i'm like you know report 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 and i'm like telling people you gotta report this account this is really really upsetting and disgusting and and then like in the meantime so we're getting the word out it's good a lot of people are like i can't believe this is going on um people are sending me more accounts to try to take down and i was like wow and i just got really like fired up because i was like this is like I just can't believe that this is so accessible and yeah. that, and that these accounts aren't being automatically taken down. 
so in the process, like I, I was suspended because I was, I wasn't like retweeting any of this crap or like, I wasn't obviously like favoriting retweeting. I was doing nothing like that. I was just like, here's the link to this account, like report it. You know what I mean? And I feel like it's possible people got confused and thought that I was the one, but I think it's really sad that like Twitter can't different can't or won't differentiate between the people who make and distribute this shit and then the people who are trying to take it down, you know, yeah. by being like, this is the account, just ooh, report it, you know? So, and then I had to, to get my account back. I had to delete a couple tweets, which I, which I was fine with. Like by the time I got the account back, um, you know, hours and hours later, that one account was taken down. So I'm like, okay, I'm fine deleting the tweets, of course, because the account's gone. It's like a moot point. And then one of my tweets was like, when I was critical of Twitter, I was like, hey, Twitter, it, it took you four hours to acknowledge that I sent you a report. Like, thank God you guys aren't EMTs. And that was one of the tweets I had to delete to get my account back. So I'm like, okay, I guess they don't like anybody being critical of their response yeah, time. Yeah, so ridiculous. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, you don't like people being critical of you for not being able to take pedophilia down. Lovely. Yeah. Typical. I was like, I, it's like, you guys, I think have enough brains, manpower to like have a division. And people were like, people were amazed at how difficult it was to actually report child porn on Twitter. Like there should be like, it could, it should no take two clicks. Says like, it is, this is something you have to YouTube. like go to a different page. You have to like go to a different thing, a different part of the website. And then like, remember the name and like paste. And it's like, no, it should be mm-hmm. like, you should be two clicks away from reporting that shit. Yeah, it and like it's reporting any t- any other type of abuse on Twitter. It'd yeah, be that easy. And I know it's easy. You know, people go click, click, and just bam. You know, abuse. Why is whatever, it easier whatever. to report hate speech than it is yeah. like actual child porn? It's so fucked up. That's horrible. And mm-hmm. have you gotten? I mean, have you had any? Have you tried to take it to the next level as far as interacting with Twitter on any any next level to be like, what are you going to do about this? No, have I like haven't. To- After that stuff happened, I like laid low a little bit because they were suspending like my friends, and I was like, yeah, all right, I don't want to like, I don't want to like get my whole account deleted because then like, what good am I to anybody if I, you know? So you just kind of, unfortunately, now in this like censorship time, knowing when to like pick your battles and. Um, mm-hmm. I think I can get, I can do more good by talking by the people I talk with and have podcasts with like John Paul Rice is a Hollywood producer. He does, he's done a lot of work. He's very knowledgeable about um, like child sex trafficking and how it relates to Hollywood and the history of it all. And I did an episode with him. I'm looking to do another one with him pretty Mm -hmm. soon because he just, he can talk and it was a two and a half hour episode, which never happens. Sam. Yeah. It's like a, you're going Joe Rogan style with that. It was a lot. It was it was too long, but he just like wouldn't shut up. But in a good way. Like he had a lot to say, and he's very knowledgeable. So yeah. Yeah. So wait, what is that? Just so we have the context. So what what films has he done? If you, can you pull it off the top of your head? Oh uh, God, he um, did this film, A Child's Voice, which was like a documentary, and it was available on Amazon for a while, like at least a couple of years. But it was recently taken down after the Epstein stuff, which is like it's pretty telling, you know, that like Amazon yeah. took it down in us and many other countries. Cause it's, it's like, why would that be taken down if, if they're not kind of trying to like shush everybody up on that topic? Oh, so remember, he, I see, he remember the Titans. Yeah. Yes. That's, that was the one oh, that's a big I did one. not remember the Titans. Turns out I forgot the Titans. So yeah, <laughs> he did work on that. Irony. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So, like I said, we're about at the end of an hour, so I want to ask you one weird question, and then we'll go into our bonus content. Um, so, Chrissy, 
you are a redhead who now identifies as more or less libertarian. Have you noticed the bizarre trend of female redheads that are attracted to the libertarian mindset? Have you seen this? I have not noticed this at all. Okay. Is this really a thing? I swear to God, it's a thing. So there's all these, number one, there's all these Twitter accounts that are like the redheaded libertarian or a libertarian redhead or redheads for liberty. And they're all women. (laughs) They're they're all pretty good looking looking ladies. And they just, for some reason, there's like this thing where redheaded ladies are attracted to liberty. And there's like everywhere you look, a ton of them. And it's inexplicable. We don't know how to explain the phenomenon. I guess it's easier to dye your hair red than it is to dye it white or blue. I don't know. I don't have, I don't <laughs> have a, an explanation for this. I think, well, right. Cause it's like dyeing your hair red. It's like not the most common. You have to be a little kooky to like go Are out you of your way. Are you a secret? Are you not a natural redhead? No, no. God, Get no. I'm like a dark podcast. blonde. I'm like a dark blonde. <laughs> so it's All been right. redder. This is like, this is summer red. It's like more strawberry. Maybe it's like an independent kind of thinking thing, you know, like the redheads they stand out in the crowd. Very independent. Yeah. It's, I'm telling More you. More unstable, I'm, you know, not about the norm. And the norm mm-hmm. is like for sure blonde, brunette, some kind of highlight, an ombre maybe. Yeah, there um, you go. The old lady yeah. add a streak of pink in your hair, even though you're 60 look. Oh, also yeah. Also very popular now. Hanging out at art museums. Yeah. A lot of yeah. flowing clothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, I will wrap this episode up. Like I said, we're going to do a little bit of bonus interview with Chrissy. If you guys want to hear it over at the Lions of Liberty Pride, you just go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Chrissy, you've been a great guest. Uh, where can everybody listen to you? And of course, I will also post this on the show notes for the page when I post them on our website. But tell everybody where they can find you uh, locally, nationally, podcastally, etc. Um, yeah, follow me on all the things at Chrissy Mayer, C-H-R-I-S-S-I-E-M-A-Y-R, Parlor, Facebook, uh, Instagram, not so much TikTok anymore. Um, but yeah, all the things. And then uh, the Chrissy Mayer podcast is on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, four days a week. Um, new episodes come out every day. And I have a show called Never Have I Ever, which is like a fluffy group Zoom where we tell stories and it's like, never have I ever had a threesome. And then you hear about somebody's threesome story. Uh, And then the wet spot on Compound Media is every Monday at 7.30 p.m. EST, compoundmedia.com. Lots of other really great shows on that network, including the great Michael Malice, Anthony Cumia, um, a a lot of talent there too. So if you're like into this, humor you would enjoy compound media this this crowd would very much enjoy it i i could promise you that (laughs) all right well once again thank you so much and we will uh, continue this on so there you go again thank you to chrissy mayer for coming on the show had fun talking to her guys we have fun talking to everybody here at the Lions of Liberty, and that's why I am hoping you will subscribe and stay subscribed to our variety show format. And also, before I wrap the show up, I want to tell you about a new shirt we have at the Lions of Liberty store, lionsofliberty.store, and that is a Taxation is Death t-shirt, wherein we spell it out for people that just don't fucking get it. We have a plane dropping bombs made of money because that's what taxation leads to in a very literal physical and visceral sense. So check that out. Lines of Liberty dot store taxation is death. So that'll do it from me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from electric Liberty land. 
always stay plugged in to liberty.